0: Hi, and welcome to the INDUSTRIA podcast. We are Geert and Kenneth. INDUSTRIA is the study association for industrial engineering students at the Eindhoven University of Technology. During this podcast, we will invite inspiring people who have a background in industrial engineering. Together, we cover interesting and relevant topics to provide you with all kinds of knowledge and insights within the field of industrial engineering.
1: For today's podcast, we have invited Joris backers, Joris is a data scientist for the United States Soccer Federation and a former OML student. As a student, he got interested in using data science to analyze sports, which eventually got him a contract at Bournemouth FC in the UK and later at the United States Soccer Federation. Joris, uh, thanks for making time for us. No um, let's start at your time as a student, which is not too long ago. Um, you followed a master's program OML at uh, TOE what kind of student were you uh
2: I was a I would say I was a hard-working student which is kind of weird to say about yourself but uh before I started my master's I already studied for six years I think so it took a while to get used to working hard to get where you want to go but I think I was a like I said I was a hard-working student uh was home a lot studying um, yeah and also just staying late at university to finish projects uh, most of the time was that always um, the kind of student you were um during the masters and pre-master yes otherwise i don't think i would have made it because it was i I did a bachelor's uh, before in civil engineering Uh, Mm -hmm. there was not a lot of math involved like not super complicated stuff so when i got to my first calculus lesson i was like Dude, I don't know how to do any of this stuff, so I better, I better pay a lot of attention and better start working hard. So that was, uh, like, right from the first course, I, uh, I, I dove into it, and uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's how I figured out I need to put a lot of effort in it to make it.
0: And why did you make the switch uh, from civil engineering to OML?
2: Uh, so I i I never really knew what i wanted to do, so I started off with uh uh master's in psychology which i did for three months in tilburg oh, wow. and after that i uh i didn't really i didn't really like it so i worked until the next start of the next school year uh, i did civil engineering I, st- I stopped for six months to try and become a professional poker player which sort of worked out but was boring so i I stopped doing that, and then I went back to studying civil engineering. Uh, like I picked civil engineering because I saw it on Discovery Channel and liked like the fact that they were building big buildings and bridges and all that kind of stuff. But in the end, it wasn't for me. And then I realized during my internships that I liked uh, making stuff efficient a lot more. Uh, and so I I picked OML. I also lived in Eindhoven already, so that that helped. Mm.
1: In your time as a student did you also um, participate in like extracurricular things like uh, study associations or side jobs or things like that or not uh, really? no no not
2: really I I was focused on uh, on my studies of course I, I really spent all the the time that was there like for, I think it's 42 hours a week or something that they that they put up for the for the credits that you get I think I spent all of that and more uh to get to to, like actually completing the masters and i was never really one for partying or any other sort of stuff so i I didn't really do that i just focused on my my degree which Mm -hmm. sounds kind of boring i guess it i guess it kind of was but but it turned out well yeah it turned out well for me i uh i don't regret it at all so i guess it's okay
0: and during your studies, did you uh, during your master did, did you already ha- had in mind um, what you wanted to do after you were finished?
2: Um, no, not really. So, like I said, I played poker uh, for a long time for like five years, from when I was eighteen to like twenty-three or something. And then when I finished my bachelor's degree, I was like, I don't want to play poker anymore, but I want to m- like make easy money if that's possible at all. So I tried to. Get into sports betting because it was close and it seemed like easy, like easy money, but I started reading up on it and that that was never, that was never going to be, uh, the solution. So I, uh, also I realized I, I didn't know how to do any of the stuff that I was reading about, like modeling, programming, even the maths that I was reading about. I didn't understand really. So, uh, I decided to just do the masters and go for it and then see where it takes me, uh, yeah i i didn't I didn't plan on becoming uh this or that or had a specific job in mind that i wanted to that I wanted to go for, but it seemed like a super interesting uh, master's degree so that's
1: that's why that's why I did it yeah were well, you' already familiar with like programming before you started your master or was that just no, not at all so I think you guys now have a Python course. Is that correct? Yes, we do. Yeah.
2: yeah, so when I did it, it was a Java course, and it was absolutely horrible. Uh, we we spent, me and two friends that I worked with all the time, we spent like 40 hours a week on actually completing that course, and I'm not aj- exaggerating. It was actually 40 hours a week. Uh, and then I ro- you get like a feedback form after each course, and I filled out all the 2,000 words that you can use for... Uh, positive feedback to write negative feedback because (laughs) it was it was an absolute disaster uh and after completing the course uh, i switched to python and it was so much easier to pick up so uh, i'm glad that i did that because otherwise uh, like i knew i wanted to program so i i
1: really wanted to finish that course uh but it was an absolute nightmare yeah so then you started um with analyzing football data, like how did you, how did you come up with that? Why did you start to do that? Uh, yeah, like I said, I had some interest in it, and then when I learned how to
2: uh, how to code, uh, even in Java, uh, I was I was always during our, our our lectures, I was always thinking about how I can apply this to football. I don't really know why. I mean, I'm I'm super interested in football, so uh, all of a sudden, I realized that. You could use, uh, uh, what's the course called? And again, uh, ASML, uh, uh, Service and Maintenance lo- Logistics or something like that about spare parts management. Uh, and all I was thinking about is, well, why don't we use uh, reserve uh, football players as spare parts and like, model something like that to see if we can take it anywhere? And that was, my, that was the first idea I, I had. And then I had a whole bunch of different ideas. Uh, and at one point we had to select a mentor for our master's thesis uh, and I was already uh, getting like decent in programming uh, and I approached uh, Sharnak Dabadgao. He is still working at uh, the uh because I saw in his profile that he did sports analytics. Uh, so I, I just went to his office and I was like, OK, I have all these ideas. Uh, I want to do something uh, with this. And the first thing he said was, well, we don't have any data. So well, good luck with your project. Uh, this is not going to work out. <laughs> uh, so the first thing I actually programmed in Python was a web scraper to get all that data from a website. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but I mean, there's a lot of free data out, out there right now. So if anyone wants to try it, it's, it's much easier now to get the data. Uh, so I, I scraped the web for 8300 uh games and then you have uh, what's called event data so you know where the pass coordinates are of each pass you have a timestamp, you know which player makes a pass and all that kind of stuff and then i went back to sharnak and i told him well here we have data now can we finally do a cool project uh so we did some literature research um and eventually we settled on uh, using network theory to analyze uh, passing patterns in football
1: and what was what was the results what were the conclusions of that research uh so it sort of looked at uh it built on
2: existing research where they used flow motives to analyze passing so it's sort of like uh if you have two different players that make two passes to each other you have a passes to b and then uh, that player b might pass to someone else so You have abc and then if then player C passes back to the first player, you have A, B, C, A, which is like a triangle in football. And you can uh, you can denote that in uh, network theory uh, and you can like do analysis based on that. And I tried to analyze like player similarity and player play styles based on these uh, passing motives. And it was really cool because we sort of found that uh, for instance, uh, Barcelona and Bayern Munich at the time had a similar style, style of play, style of passing, which was obviously due to Guardiola. If you know anything about uh, football, you'll know Guardiola was mm. first at Barcelona, and then he moved to uh, Bayern Munich, and like stuff like that came up. And we did also an analysis on uh, uni- unique uh, passing patterns. So I think Xavi and Iniesta at the time had uh, unique passing patterns comp- compared to uh, all maybe 10,000 other players that we analyzed maybe it was, was more players i can't really remember uh, but stuff like that uh we found uh and i i did that all uh like next to all the courses that i was taking so i i did this i went home and i just started programming and uh i, I don't think i went outside much at that time But
0: <laughs> all right and but after um after you've done that project um you send it to or you 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 made a poster and sent it to uh, to the states to MIT is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's correct. So when I I think the first meeting I had with Shanak he was like okay you have to see this so he showed me some presentation from uh, Sloan MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference I had no idea what it was but he said this is the biggest sports analytics conference in the world uh, and I don't think he even thought about going uh because it wasn't pretty much impossible to get in. And then uh he said, I, I guess we can set a goal and we can try to uh to take part in the research paper competition. So you sign up and you send your abstract. And then if your abstract is good enough, you go to the next round and you send in uh I think you send in your full paper. And then there's another round of uh judging and then finally uh I think twenty twenty odd uh Papers get selected, and then uh, maybe five or six can do an actual live presentation on stage, which we didn't get because those guys are absolute geniuses. And then uh, I was allowed to do a poster presentation uh, there. So uh, Sharnak and I flew to Boston
1: for a couple of days, and we presented our results there. Well, yeah. About um, data analytics in sports, like everyone is familiar with sports. Um, but no one really thinks at least i don't about the data analytics behind um, all those sports is it a big world or is it kind of recent it's growing like i said when i i think that was
2: 5 4 or 5 years ago when i started to try and see if i can get the actual data uh, there wasn't a lot publicly available uh, so the the world was all, like the, the world was a lot smaller people weren't really doing it. Even clubs and teams and national teams and nobody was really open to it. There were some clubs like Arsenal that were already doing it, but for the most part, not really. And the last couple of years, it's been growing and growing and growing because teams start to realize that they can gain edges by uh, by doing actual proper research and doing actual data analysis. And I think one of the most important things, which sort of comes comes back to why I started doing OML, is that you can use data to make your job more efficient uh, make your life more efficient uh, like just analyze data instead of uh, watching video of every single game that was played over the week or something like that which takes a lot more time uh, yeah so I, I teams are starting to get into it more and more but it's still it's not not it's still not as widespread as it, as it should be but I mean it's a growing it's a growing business. Uh, and it will get there eventually, I think.
0: You 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 um, did the poster uh, poster presentation at uh, in Boston, right? Um, mm-hmm. But eventually, you ended up at Bournemouth to actually analyze the data there. How how um, did you get from from Boston to to Bournemouth?
2: So um, I'm to go along with my presentation. I made a website. Uh, or like a single web page that allowed you to do your own uh, data analysis, I guess you could say, where you can you could compare two players with each other based on their their uh, styles of play. And unfortunately, that's not online anymore. But uh, uh, someone saw that uh, he wasn't at the uh, at the at the conference itself, but on Monday, the day after the the conference, uh, I got an email from someone. We said, "Yeah, I work for, uh, or I, 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 invest in a Premier League team," and I was like, "Dude, that's not, this not true. That's not happening." So I looked his name up on LinkedIn, and it was actually true. Uh, and we just started talking about data analytics. And the one thing he said was that he did some modeling of his of his own, and he thought that our results looked similar, even though we did a had a completely different approach to what we're doing. So I think that sort of helped uh to show that i was on the right track and maybe show him that he was on the right track as well yeah Uh, and we just talked and talked and talked for months and uh eventually he was like okay um you can you can work here for a while and uh see how it goes
0: all right and how was that experience
2: it was amazing um it was first of all it was really amazing to just be able to work for a premier league club and like they give you the trust to that you can come up with something cool and i collaborated with uh, some of, some of the guys over there to make their lives a little bit more efficient uh, and yeah it was just it was great i mean i worked from home uh, but I, I went there for uh, i would say three four days to meet up with them and like collaborate in real life because that sometimes helps as well uh, yeah, but yeah it was it was a great experience.
1: Yeah. And after that, you went to the United States Soccer Federation. Did you get scouted or how did how did that go? So actually, the guy that uh, his
2: name is Mike Tracy, by the way. Uh, uh, He uh, he lives in Chicago. He works in Chicago. The U.S. Soccer Federation is based in Chicago. Uh, So they were already talking a little bit about data analytics uh, because there's not a lot of people in Chicago that do soccer analytics football analytics Uh, and he was like uh why don't you go work for u.s soccer federation uh so that's it kind of just he got the ball rolling at the first time and he got the ball rolling the second time and that's how i ended up in chicago
1: oh that's cool like and what exactly um like you're still working there as a data analyst um what are you doing there exactly like (laughs) what is it that you analyze so uh, it's a it's a broad it's a really broad scope.
2: Uh, I wouldn't say I necessarily analyze uh, the games because that's what other people do. But I, I build infrastructure to get the data to the right people to get the correct data to the right people uh, to have like automated visualizations, automated PDF reports that the whole the people that need to see it in the in the federation can see. Um, yeah, just getting people metrics and then. Like I said, the most important thing is making everyone's life more efficient. So, uh, yeah, just yeah, that, that's that's kind of that's kind of what it is.
1: You lived there for a few for a year, right? Or how long did you? Uh, yeah, for fourteen months. Fourteen there. months. Yeah. yeah. And now you're doing this from uh, from home. You're in the Netherlands. Yeah, I'm.
2: Uh, I'm in Breda right now, uh, and that's where I grew up uh so i I moved back there but i'm still I'm still doing this, so I guess I was one of the only, i moved back in September last year. I think I was one of the only people that was prepared for this whole corona crisis because I already had a home <laughs> office
0: um and the the work that you do um first for Bournemouth and now for the u s soc federation for the u s women's sock federation um do you see that that the teams really uh have vantage from the stuff that you do um
2: yeah i would i would say yes otherwise that would sound weird of course but yeah I, i really i really do think so it's uh it's not necessarily like directly impacting the team uh not what i do i mean the people that work with the data that i provide to them are directly impacting the team but yeah i it's uh i think it's really it's really big also uh everyone's really quick to pick stuff up so if we've if we figure something out that's that might give us an advantage then they're really really willing to to participate or to partake or to like listen and try to implement it in real life so yeah for sure yeah
0: um, could you describe how your studies omel um, have helped you and still helps you right now in your current uh, profession
2: so i think there's a couple things that really helped uh, one of the things that I didn't really learn during my bachelor's degree was actual analytical thinking and like being and critical thinking and dissecting research papers and replicating the results and then trying to improve on uh, what was written in those uh, research papers, like actually going into it and doing it with a, like a scientific way, uh, really rigorous. Uh, that's that's one of the most important things I learned. The other thing that's really important that uh, I just realized this morning when thinking about it is that it really showed me that you, that you can actually really learn pretty much anything if you really put the time into it. And it doesn't necessarily need to be in a university setting. I mean, I learned most of my calculus through YouTube. Uh, <laughs> I'm not afraid to say that I was addicted to YouTube uh, to learn calculus and to like get information on other courses that I was taking and that still applies. Uh, so finding the right resources to learn a new skill, uh, was also highly valuable.
0: Right.
1: What would you say was your, like your highlights, um, in your career right now? Is it just getting a contract at the U S soccer federation or, um, yeah, a specific I'll... thing that happened there? I mean we won the
2: women's world cup last year uh which was amazing uh unfortunately i wasn't with the team in france at the time but i was in chicago and we were directly relaying information to the team uh so uh my 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 colleague was uh in france uh, and i was communicating with him and then uh it was actually a big advantage that we had the time difference because when he went to bed i uh still had uh like it was still just afternoon for us so we could keep working and then when he woke up the next morning we could give him new insights give him new information that he could share with the coaches so uh yeah that was uh that was definitely my highlight yeah i can believe that yeah
0: you you were part of the uh um of the
2: you you played a role in in winning the the world championship there I mean, it's a small role, but I'll I'll take a zero point one percent role. That's I guess that's big, but still, I'll take a small part of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's still a lot. But um, like, how do you, if you look at your future, right? Um, do you see yourself working for the U.S. Soccer Federation for like many more years, or do you have other ambitions? Um, I guess my ambitions are.
2: like I'll see how it goes. I really enjoy working for the U.S. Soccer Federation right now. Uh, I would There's a World Cup that they're hosting there in 2026. If I could be still working for them then, that would be amazing because uh, we really have a promising group of players for the men's side coming up. So if I could be part of that, that would be amazing. Uh, if something else comes up or something else happens, then we'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah, are you also like involved in um, not necessarily in the scouting of young um, young players, but um, yeah, with identifying which players um, perform best and could be selected for the US team? Um, n- not not directly involved in selecting
2: players, but uh, we have data on these players that we provide to the people that actually make these decisions, uh, and they get this da- this data, of course, as well. Uh, so, uh, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm like one step away or maybe two steps away from doing anything that's,
1: that could be considered Mm. valuable. (laughs) Uh Yeah. Do you think like, um, this way of working, I kind of asked this question already, but is this really the future? Um, using data in, in sports and, um, bringing it to the next level. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you think
2: about it, that on a high level uh, of sports or a high level of anything, uh, gaining half a percent of an advantage uh, is huge. Uh, and if you can gain half a percentage advantage through the use of data, then you should probably go for it. Uh, and I bet that the advantage you can gain through the correct use of data is a lot higher, uh, both in efficiency in getting better at the actual game in analyzing your opponent in making better decisions even if it's stuff as simple as taking a penalty like figuring out where to shoot or uh, figuring out how to do a free kick drill or like a corner kick uh, routine or anything like that uh you can gain you can gain an advantage if you do it uh and because like like i said the sporting a community is always looking to get an edge on their opponents. Uh, it's just a matter of time before everyone figures out that using data can also help with that. Uh, I mean, every team has a physical uh, a physical coach already to do to, to like, uh, measurements on the actual individual players. Mm-hmm. Everyone is convinced that that works. So I don't see why no, anyone would not be convinced that data analytics would also work.
1: Yeah, if we look at a like a typical day um, of you, what does your typical day look like? You're working at home right now. Yeah, um, it's just
2: getting up, eating breakfast, and then uh, sit behind my computer and write code in either Python or R, uh, and or read a research paper or like just that's that's the that's the main thing, just coding. Yeah,
1: you're ma- mainly using R and Python, right?
2: Uh, yeah, we use Python for all the automation and data processing and then R for building data visualizations.
0: Mm. Okay. What is your, uh, most important lesson learned, which you would also give our students as a takeaway
2: message? Um, I think the biggest thing is to learn programming. It sounds really stupid. I, it, it's not as easy as it sounds as well. It's, it's pretty difficult to get into. Uh. But if you learn it, you'll have a skill that you can use for pretty much anything. And uh, if you use it at like a small company, for instance, people will be amazed and think you're a wizard because you can pro- uh it. They, people are moving around CSV, CSV files and Excel files in most companies still. And if you know how to do that 10 times faster because you know how to write Python code, then you seem like a wizard to everyone so learn how to code it's it's the best thing you can do it's it's literally the best thing you can learn the best <laughs> skill to learn so As,
0: the, yeah. the basis for each industrial engineering students should be
2: um, coding and should uh, yeah
0: um
2: so if you if you look at the courses that you guys get there's a lot of um like sort of simulation stuff and like intense calculations on big data i mentioned the uh, asml course uh like computing stuff on 10000 parts is complicated if you use uh if you use excel you're going to have a really bad time doing it i think it can be done it just takes a lot of time and precise dragging and dropping of yeah. <laughs> of, form- of formulas so yeah. i think if you if you learn python uh, even if you don't use it for your uh, for your courses necessarily because it because that might not, because you're still learning. Uh, but yeah, I think it's it's super valuable. It's 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 insanely valuable to learn it.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that TUe is moving more into that direction. Um, I believe uh, in the bachelor right now we have more um, Python courses. In the years below me, so I I like that direction. Yeah, that's that's great
2: because yeah, like I said, you need you need that also to move forwards into into the future uh everyone is doing some sort of artificial intelligence some sort of deep learning some sort of you know you name it predictive modeling uh there's no real good way to do that in excel you can do spss but that's not great either uh mm. so yeah i i i like i i love to hear that they're doing more stuff with python coding
1: yeah and um if there are any other students um that are like interested in in sports analytics. Do you have any advice for them? Yeah. So if anyone really wants to get into it, uh,
2: like I said, there's a lot of data already out there. But if you can't find it or have any questions, you can reach me on on Twitter at uh, Unravel Sports. Uh, you can just Google my name, uh, or you can send me a message on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll I'll answer them. That's great.
0: Well, I think uh, that's a fantastic advice uh, to end this podcast uh, with. Thank you for being our guest today, uh, Joris. Our next guest will be Angelique van der Burg, who is also an alumni from our university and had quite some impressive career in purchasing all over the world. Um, So make sure to check that out.